Welcome to the Vancouver Tomatora Lost and Found podcast, where we interview and reminisce with some of our beloved teachers from back in the day. I'm your host, VTT alum of 1989, Richard Rabkin. Welcome, podcast listeners. I'm very honored to be joined by Vancouver Tomatora principal from 1988 until 1994. Mr. Edwin Epstein. Mr. Epstein, thank you for joining us. My pleasure and an honor. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to speak with you. And um, so why don't we just dive right in. Can you share with us a little bit of your background, where you're from, your educational, uh, professional background, and then I guess how you ended up at Tomatora? Okay, I will do that. Uh, actually, I grew up, I was born and grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, we don't have a baseball team or football team of any note, but we do have some outstanding institutions. And uh, I was uh, privileged to go to a very distinguished elementary Jewish day school called the Hebrew Academy of Cleveland, which was a trailblazer in 1948, 1946, about the same time as Tama was beginning its operations. And I actually went off after that to a yeshiva, which was the natural trend after finishing this uh, day school, elementary school. I went to a yeshiva, a yeshiva called Telzi Yeshiva, the Yeshiva of Tels, which was transplanted after the Holocaust from Lithuania to America, to Cleveland directly. And uh, it was an experience that was rather unique because the yeshiva as such did not have anything different than the way it conducted itself in Lithuania in the old days of the Russian persecutions and the terrible things that happened, Holocaust and post-Holocaust. They came to Cleveland, all the, the rabbis that remained that were able to survive the Holocaust, and they continued the yeshiva in the same style. I was a rather an eclectic guy, I must say, and I was very much involved in music and in activities and so forth, and kind of juggle that life with the intense life of a Shiva day, which started at 7 in the morning and ended at 7 at night. I was uh, then very concerned in my high school years that I wanted to go to a good university and was concerned about being able to get into one from the yeshiva, so I went off to various places and ended up ultimately getting a bachelor's degree in the Eastern Studies and Languages from the University of California at Berkeley. And when we talk about such teachers as Colette Lyson and others that came from the West Coast or the uh, West Canada territories to come into um, Vancouver Tamatora, I felt at home to a certain degree in both worlds, the world of the secular and the world of uh, the rabbinics and the Judaics. So from there, I... Uh, went into a number of different uh, school settings, and I came to Vancouver after doing some administrative work in California, and even in Omaha, Nebraska, if you can believe that. I come to Vancouver, and lo and behold, I found the job through uh, sort of a classmate of Pincus Bach, who was one of the outstanding principals of the Tomator era, was responsible for really turning out dozens and dozens of students to, uh, to Judaism. And uh, I was sort of working with him hand-in-hand, hand, doing a lot of projects together, 
as a school teacher, and they have very fond memories of some of the students who I, came, I come back every now and then to Vancouver, and I find them with their children and sometimes even with grandchildren, believe it or not. And uh, they were very, very special kids that I saw in the late 60s and early 70s. So, so you were a teacher um, at Talmator before you became principal. I never knew that. Well, that's the whole thing. You would think that after one experience like that, I would have learned my lesson. But about 25 years later, uh, what happened was that uh, they needed a principal, which wasn't unusual for Talmator in those days. And uh, Pincus Bach was the person that was just hired, and he asked me to come up again to work with him directly in the Judaics department, teaching everything from grade two all the way to grade seven, the works. And I was the choir director, God knows what else I did, but it was a seven-day-a-week job. And uh, I worked with Pinky, as he was called, and uh, I learned uh, that this, that learned how to be a real day school educator from the challenges that faced the Vancouver Tomator at that time. So you would think that I would have learned that, you know, that's a nice experience, but I got the call to come back to Vancouver in the mid-80s, um, and uh, what happened was that uh, I became the principal. They, uh, I guess they must have liked me or felt some kind of possibility with me, and they asked me to come, and at that point I had uh, been in a number of different uh, settings, uh, and I had actually even started a day school in Indianapolis, Indiana, which I founded and actually uh, did everything from cooking to teaching to helping with the bus transportation. So from that experience, I come back to Vancouver, and lo and behold, I am the principal of the school. And sometimes I'm looking at kids, and they look very familiar, because during that period, uh, some of them became parents, and I actually saw their kids, and it was very, very exciting. So that was my experience with that. I had a bachelor's and I went into graduate school at UBC, as a matter of fact, and uh, started working on my master's, which I um, accomplished later on. So that is the story of my educational background and my early history with being one of the only possibly only uh, educators that came to Tomator who had been there and had a more than 20-year gap between his return back and watched the transformation of the school from a, a, a school that really was historic in the sense that it was one of the prime day schools of Canada, uh, to have it on the west coast of Vancouver, along with places like even Alberta and Winnipeg. It was quite an accomplishment. And to watch the difference uh, was very challenging for me. In the old days, so to speak, um, it wasn't unusual for Tomatora students to uh, be involved in a quite David Bogash, who I understand is an archivist right now, is uh, involved with uh, historic uh, Vancouver stuff. But uh, David Bogash, as I recall, was in the choir. And uh, the Vancouver Tomatora had a, a, a choir that went from synagogue to synagogue and officiated on Saturdays and holidays. And uh, that was the level of the school. It was a transformed school when I came back the second time to be the head of a school uh, in, the, in the 80s. It was not the same school exactly, but I came with a goal of keeping the tradition, the, the name and also in spirit, because I felt that the school was an unusual school in terms of the many other educational venues that I had been through 
uh, it was really unique. Even 20 years later, there was still a lot of beauty in the students, in their discipline, in their manner, their demeanor, their intelligence, and their creativity. It was a real treat. And I had some very pleasant years there in my six-year stint uh, in Vancouver. So when you assumed that role as the principal of the VTT, uh, what were some of those goals that you wanted to accomplish? Uh, the first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to bring it back to the, to the days um, of yesteryear, so to speak, because in the 60s and 70s, the level of Hebrew in the school was extremely high. I remember coming on my interview in the 60s, uh, 68, whenever, and I um, watched a fifth grade class uh, put together a play. There was a very famous teacher at that point, Shogi from Israel, and they put together the play on their own, totally in Hebrew, from the book of Judges. Uh, they had the text in front of them, and they transformed it into a viable play in their own language with very little... Um, teacher intervention. They had studied the text, but not to make a play out of it and have speaking parts where the kids were able to converse. And even it was a very, very high level. And uh, I sort of missed that and wanted to see if I could do that. But it was a different school with a different mentality. And uh, I, I just worked as much as I could during my years there to bring it back to a high level of Hebrew, of rabbinics, of uh, Judaics, of having the kids have experiential opportunities where they could feel their Judaism within the school walls because it was not the same group of students that uh, had a more traditional understanding in the uh, in the 60s. Yeah, at least from my perspective, when I was there, so it, through kind of the 80s, I didn't feel necessarily like we got a very strong Hebrew foundation um, or maybe some of the rabbinics was, you know, um, maybe hit and miss, we'll, we'll say. But um, I, I, do you think that after your tenure you will, were able to implement some of those things, some of those goals that you wanted to implement? Uh, it, it really depends on the administrators that come after. Um, I did not do this easily because the teachers were not the same teachers that we had in 25 years before. They were not the, it was not the same mentality, it was not the same curriculum. But uh, there was progress made. We had the daily prayers in, the, in a, you call little shul, a little type of building area that was uh, sort of like a model junior congregation. The daily prayers every single day. And being somewhat musical, I, I try to turn that into a musical experience where they sang most of the prayers rather than just simply chanting them. And, uh, you know, things like that I was very, very uh, happy with. I also remember taking our kids uh, to a Kaiwanis uh, celebration of choir competitions. I think it was a school right near Eric Camper. I can't remember the name of it, where we, we took our own with uh, all kinds of fancy schools like York House and everything else running around. Uh, we were able to uh, make a, an impression. And I think that the secular was on a very, very high level. But it was, it was quite a, a bit of difference. The school had become unionized, and uh, that always means the administration and the teaching squad, so to speak, uh, have to work through their differences. And it was quite, quite a challenge. But I love the kids, and I love their parents. And uh, I remember very distinctly looking at the graduation tape that I just got recently a hold of, thanks to you, that there were um, dedicated people, moms who have been serving hot lunches and, and hot dogs for 10 years to the starving students at Talmud Torah. That was um, quite a bit of dedication. 
Shout out to the Jewish moms out there. Um, and uh, I, I remember, yes, I do remember the shul well. And, um, you know, I think that it certainly did give us a foundation to work with the Sidur and, and a familiarity with it. Um, was that mostly Rabbi Meirovich's domain or did, were you involved? Because I, I remember Rabbi Meirovich kind of heading that up. Uh, when I came, uh, it was it was bigger. The Saturday and standing room only. I mean, it was very very squashed. I'm not sure if we had several different things going on in other places, but uh, for a couple of years, I took it on as uh, as goal. And uh, you know, he was there too to to a certain extent, but it was basically uh, my show for the bulk of the time in terms of uh, having the kids get more participation and getting other teachers involved besides myself. Um, I'm wondering how difficult it was teaching us, not necessarily just my grade, but I, I mean, you know, we were, I'm sure, rambunctious, but, but in general, you know, you're trying to impart fundamental Jewish ideals to 12-year-olds. Uh, that must be challenging. Yeah, it was, uh, because there wasn't really too much of a basis for kids to see things that we discussed and talked about in the classroom. Uh, in the reality of the community, in the reality of the synagogues and so forth, it really wasn't that integrated. And uh, my goal was, frankly, to to do as much integration, not only between uh, Jewish and, and Hebraic and, and secular studies, but to, to even within the scope of Judaism, to show relevance. For example, we had during my tenure there a celebration of 500 years of the history of Sephardic Jews and the celebration of, uh, of Spain and the Inquisition, the whole concept of the Sephardic aspects of, of Spain and the great people that came out of the celebration, uh, which was worldwide at that point. We had all the rabbis, for example, dressed up in certain costumes that came as very, very famous figures, like the Reform Rabbi, the the conservative rabbi, the assistant rabbis, we had a Rambam, came dressed up in a Rambam uh, uniform. I was Benjamin Tudela, who was a world traveler, spreading uh, all kinds of resources and uh, the, the different personalities throughout the, the Near East and throughout Europe. And we had very, very famous uh, founders, so to speak, of the last four or 500 years since the uh, emancipation of Spain. That was just one example of getting things relevant to become life studies where you, you get involved with not only the Jewish aspect, but the historic aspects of survival of countries and traditions and Europe and Israel and the, the Americas at that point. Right. So that sounds like an interesting program. I don't know if I recall, but um, you're, you've kind of alluded to it. The Arctic dishes we had, I'm sure that was... Ah. <laughs> Hit the spot instead of instead of hot dog, hot lunch. Right, it was more like falafel and other things that could have happened in the Near East. Right, you've kind of alluded to it, but I have noticed, being an observer, that there was kind of a tension in the school about being either too religious or not religious enough. Um, did you kind of experience that? What uh, was your higher um, uh, kind of an issue in that regard at all? Well, I, I frankly f felt that I was in the middle of it all, and I think the school was searching for a way of some kind of resolution with the, not only the concepts of what the Jewish population of the student body was, 
but just in general where the direction of the school was going. And uh, I was rather, when I left, disappointed to find out that after me, a, um, for several years, the administration was not in Jewish hands, so to speak. Uh, when you look at the founders of the Talmud Torah in the 1940s and in, in the state of Israel simultaneously being founded with the advent of the Talmud Torah in Vancouver, that uh, that would have been unthinkable that uh, the school would have gone in the direction uh, of having, I'm sure there were reasons why that was the case and that they maybe had staffing problems or whatever, but it was not easy to find a person that would be integrated in both secular and Judaic uh, directions, and uh, that caused a certain kind of tension as to who was in charge in terms of parents, students, and administration, where was the school going in terms of the the, the, the the thrust of curriculum and the thrust of the values and the mission of the school. Right. I assume there are not that many people that went to Tel Yeshiva and UC Berkeley. Uh, right. That integration was really way out, but I'm glad I had it because, frankly, at the Vancouver Tomatura, we had a faculty that covered everything you could possibly imagine. We had dedicated Israeli teachers. We had people like Colette and others and Larry Bauer and so on and so forth that were very dedicated to the school. We had people that were pioneers in outdoor camping, like Fred Cohn and others. It was Strathcona being one of the, the focal points of your whole existence at Tamatora. I'm even proud to say that I survived one of those zip lines that almost killed me because the guy forgot to latch my tether on appropriately. You went to Strathcona? <laughs> for one and a half days, I think I was dutifully dismissed for, for not being in shape. Were the kids allowed to call you Eddie? Uh, I think they were just trying to flabbergast that if the, the guy that they thought it was always behind a desk or a book could actually go out and breathe fresh air in, in the wild and wear tennis shoes. That was enough of a shock for them. Right. Um, so you mentioned a lot of the teachers that you worked with. Um, what were the challenges, if any, or, or I guess the benefits of coming into a school uh, with so many teachers that had been there for so many years? Well, actually, the teachers that I came to work with the second time around the Talmud Torah as a principal instead of a colleague teacher, uh, many of them were not there on my first round. But one of the champions, and I must say this with, with uh, amazement, is a, a gal by the name of Gita Krohn, who was a graduate lawyer in Lithuania, uh, a very fine Jewish woman who knew Hebrew and knew Russian law and knew everything one had to had to know to survive in that kind of environment and experience the Holocaust with her husband, came to Vancouver and was a champion teacher. I mean, she was a graduate lawyer in Russia, but she had the skills and the ability to impart things that I wouldn't believe. I always remember her three-hour plays when I was uh, at Hanukkah time, when I was there in, in the 60s and 70s. But when I came back, there was a whole immigration of Russian uh, students and she would have a, uh, some of them with her that were just right, so to speak, fresh off the boat, with very little English skills and no Hebrew skills. And uh, within six to eight weeks, they were writing. With the, the Russians have phenomenal uh, fine motor control, writing beautiful Hebrew, reading it and speaking it like they had been at the, at the school for three or four years. And within a matter of months. Those schools were uh, those t uh, students were mainstreamed into the various parts of the school, 
in secular and in Judaic studies, it was a miracle. But I'm bringing that up because, you know, we're in a, at a time now where youth versus, uh, you know, mature, maturity and so forth, who's in charge, whether uh, presidents can be functional at age 70. Some of them obviously can't. But uh, the fact is that, um, you know, this is the whole challenge that we face now, looking at people who have contributed so much over 50 or 60 years and kind of discarding them from time to time because they don't have the latest smartphone or the latest technology, which is not what it's all about. I think a lot of her ability to teach, um, and she was, she was there my first time, and when I came back my second time, is to impart love as well as academics and demanding excellence from students. Yeah, Mrs. Crone was a legendary teacher. I had her, and she definitely imparted lessons that stuck with me, at least, um, my whole life. I even, my kids in, in school, if I have to teach them something, um, sometimes a lesson from Mrs. Crone will come out, and I'll say, oh, yeah, that's been there for a long time. So she was certainly a legendary teacher. That's true. Um, what, what about you on in your round as principal? Did you also have teaching obligations, I recall? Uh, you teaching us, my class, but I think that it was more occasional, maybe in preparation for the graduation ceremony. I'm not sure. Uh, it was that, but I also took little tours of duty in various classes. I, I, I had a kind of a spectrum of younger kids and older kids, and I would camp in for either a semester or a couple of months and sometimes just a couple of weeks to get my, my feel of the students and also in part the fact that I only I do more than just give out detentions. I actually have something to teach and something to say. So it was the case that uh, I did quite a bit of teaching. I would say maybe 20 or 30% of my day was in the classroom. I see. So what else did you do? I mean, this is kind of a question, what does a principal do? But what, what were the major areas of responsibility that you had? Well, uh, I would have liked to have spent more time uh, not just arguing with the parents about whether or not the school lunch was appropriate, but um, I, I had to deal with um, a lot of uh, concerns that were very, very prevalent in the uh, in the 80s. So that there were a lot of children with with uh, problems of uh, sibling rivalry, of uh, split families, uh, some of them with uh, single moms or going through transitions, which was very prevalent at that time in Vancouver, of uh, divorce homes and so on and so forth. That was. Uh, was a challenge, and we finally hired some school counselors and people that would uh, deal more professionally with uh, the concerns of students. I worked with with uh, trying to get some technology into the school at that time. Uh, we had just uh, provided a second floor in a beautiful building, an auditorium, and it was really a challenge to get everything to, to be functional and working. And I also was... Um, very, very happy with the fact that I had a lot of good input from teachers who took it upon themselves to, to team and to work in an integrated fashion with both the Judaic staff and the secular staff and within their various staffs to do programming, uh, which was quite uh, impressive. So you mentioned uh, the principal's office. I, myself, was only called to the principal's office once. It wasn't when you were there. I think it was Rabbi Biber who may have preceded you. Um, and so I was younger. I was probably grade four or so. And um, a friend in my class, her name was Tammy Berman, um, she claimed that she was stronger than me. 
And I took that personally because I felt like I was the strongest in the class. So I um, will, shall we say, I tried to demonstrate to her that I was stronger. And that ended me up in the principal's office. So you're saying that you had a number of incidents like that. Well, uh, there were there were not always boy girl. Many there were boy boy and girl girl. You'll be happy to know. But uh, I can see the girls were were quite phenomenal at Tomatorf. I must say so myself. They were highly skilled, very athletic, uh, not to be messed with. So I think that uh, in that case, the school really had a very balanced, integrated approach to teaching uh, feminism without even trying. And uh, it's not your fault that you got called into the office. Right. 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 Yeah. No, our graduation ceremony, which you watched, I sent it to you. uh, I had mentioned that it was clearly a clean sweep by all of the girls in our class of all of the awards. Literally, there was not one um, boy who won an award for anything. Um, I think I was appointed the quote unquote valedictorian. But uh, as I said, I don't I think it was more so because they thought I might make a, a good speech rather than my academic qualifications. Um, You know what? Speaking of the graduation ceremony, I need to do something for you because I do remember something that you taught us for the presentation. So I feel like I just need to, I feel like I've been waiting 30 years to do this. So if you, if you will permit me just a second, um, you, you may remember what I'm going to say, but it goes like this. Nyet, nyet, nikavo, kromyavo, adnavo, tolka, boga, adnavo. Right? Is that, that rings a bell, I'm sure, right? Not only that, but I wish we'd have known we would have put you in as a soloist when cruise ships came to Vancouver. I think you you got the right Russian accent. I'm very impressed. Okay. I'm lost. So thank you, thank you. Now, now, uh, you know, um, joking aside, obviously this was something that was important um, that you wanted to teach to us. How does it feel as a principal or a teacher that these decisions that you made or these things last with us, you know, for for our entire lives? Well, I'll tell you, that's exactly the story of my life. I had certain teachers that I was a menace to, certain teachers that menaced me. Um, but the fact is that I have recollections of things I learned in the second grade, the Hanukkah place in the fourth and sixth grade. I remember certain chantings, which is called Nusach, exactly how to do it with the twists and the, and the turns, uh, thanks to teachers. And they stay with me for all my life, especially values. Uh, I had teachers that said, why are you throwing that out? That's Baal Tashkit. You shouldn't destroy things that are usable and of value. Uh, and I tell that to my own personal kids. I have told them that for many, many years. And uh, I, I try to con- continue to impart that. But it goes as a chain of tradition, from father to son, from teacher to student. And that's what's kept us alive, that we haven't tossed aside uh, those values. And I'm hoping that your class... Uh, and the people that were involved with Tom and Tori during your era there will also take a certain responsibility to not let the stuff that was ru- hanging around in those days go to waste and, and discard them because they're no longer relevant. As I said in my, good, my speech uh, at the end of the graduation, that uh, it's elusive. We think we have freedoms and so forth, but even the pandemics and the other things show us that we're at the mercy of each other and at the mercy of the good Lord, and that we have to not be complacent about fighting for those values which dare not be dismissed and forgotten. 
That's an important lesson, no doubt. Uh, you mentioned your kids briefly. Uh, I don't recall them being at the school, although I could be wrong. Were they um, were they at the school? Were they at a different school? How was, and I suppose they had to move um, with you to Vancouver. What was that like for them? Uh, they were used to moving because in my business, uh, you, they say join Jewish education and see the nation. It's a very mobile kind of uh, situation. They had been in other schools before we came back the second time. Uh, I, were you in the school when we had the Hobbit as a play? Was that uh, after you? Yeah, that was after me. Yeah, after me. But, you know, those productions, my kids were all in. I had uh, three children out of five that were in the school at that time. And they were classmates, and they uh, were also my students, my, my own children, but uh, they, they did not get favoritism on the country. Principals in general tend to be harder on their kids when they're in a school than they are with the regular students because they've got to keep the good old tradition and not get their father in trouble. So I don't think that they caused any major problems of discipline, but they were definitely integrated and uh, made to feel very much at home. Right. Um, as you uh, look kind of back at, at Tamatora and your teaching there, um, what are some highlights? You've mentioned a few of them, but do, does anything stand out, whether it's um, relationship with teachers or programs or anything? Or are there any other highlights that stand out? Uh, yeah, I remember some very, very touching uh, experiences of the guests that had come to uh, Tamatora and that we brought through the classrooms, very, very famous dignitaries. Uh, our school choir that I was conducting at that time, that was another side-time job as the principal of Tamatora, uh, performed with the uh, Prime Minister of Canada's uh, wife being honored at the Jewish Community Center's new building. And... Uh, we uh, were recognized for singing several songs, one, of course, in French and one in English and one in Hebrew. And uh, it was very, very powerful for me to be singing to such a first lady of Canada and the group of politicians and uh, legislators that she brought with her um, from Ottawa. It was uh, a very, very touching experience for me and for the kids and for the school, actually. Wow, that's amazing. Um, where where did you go after Talmatora? I'm sure you had other stints in Jewish education elsewhere. Any any notable places that you went to? Well, do you have a pencil and paper? Because there are quite a few. As I said, we tend to be quite mobile. After I left Talmatora, uh, I went to, um, uh, frankly, I don't remember the sequence. I told you about Indianapolis, and I founded a school there. And throughout my uh, educational history, uh, I've been in uh, the position of founding two schools, one in Indianapolis, Indiana, and the other, more excitingly, I think, because of distance, I started a school called Maimonides in Santiago, Chile, in South America. Uh, that was the first Jewish day school of a religious nature that had been in the history of the country, and uh, that was quite a challenge, too. I've been, most recently, before coming to make Aliyah 10 years ago, I was the head of school in Hong Kong, uh, in Hong Kong, which I don't want to say Hong Kong and China because they have their own problems, but uh, I was there when it was relatively quiet before the uh, communist uh, Chinese government got more into Hong Kong, and we had a very thriving day school. 
several hundred students, and uh, we started into the high school business as well on the same campus, and eventually found uh, ourselves in a high school in another building. But it was uh, an experience to start schools in different cultures in different countries, and uh, I thank Tom Matar for sort of grinding me into the fold of day school administration because it certainly came in handy in the various schools that I had been at. That is certainly an impressive track record. I mean, Canada, Hong Kong, Chile, uh, you know, you've certainly racked up uh, accomplishments in the Jewish educational field. Uh, how does it feel, I guess, as you look back now at your career? Well, I, I look at these as very, uh, that I'm great, very grateful for having the opportunity to be uh, the first principal in the history of Talmud Torah that came from a classroom 20 years later back into uh, the office of administrator. I, I'm very happy that I put a, a Jewish school together in you know, Santiago, Chile, which uh, was the first of its kind and commended by the government of Chile for having a curriculum which imparted values. Uh, and. Um, in Hong Kong, where I learned to live with uh, with three cultures, actually our Jewish tradition, the Chinese tradition, and the concept of being in a trilingual school, because we also taught Chinese as well as Hebrew and English. So that was uh, a pretty heavy duty thing. These opportunities that I'm grateful for, right? The, the challenges that I adore. And I'm lucky that I had them. That's all I can tell you as a Jewish educator. Amazing. And now I take it you are in Israel and you're semi-retired? I'm completely retired. And uh, <laughs> I was just being generous. To, I, I've learned how to cook a little bit, and I've um, done some reading and a lot of musical activity. And uh, I miss the classroom, but I have to be careful because I always feel the audience. You know, when I go give somebody advice, well, what do you know? But uh, the fact of the matter is, um, I remember growing up on uh, Robinson Street, even though I was 28 or 29 at the time, one always grows from experiences, and uh, they come in handy. Well, you've been very generous with your time. I'll just ask you one final question. Um, do you have any message that you want to leave um, with our listening audience with your students that you had back at Vancouver Tomatora? Uh, yes, I'd just like to uh, reemphasize the fact that uh, the school should live up to its tradition. I know there are other schools that have started, but uh, Vancouver Tomatora and its founding had some very, very unique and specific goals. Uh, and the word Tomatora should really be the head mission of the school. It should go back to its resources of the traditions the texts have children fluent because they're going to need that fluency, not only as a language, but as a value base to, to cope with what's happening in the world today. And you cannot have too much uh, of those kinds of values and not be ashamed and not be afraid to impart it to students and also to demand the best, to have them work up to the levels uh, that are demanded by teachers and uh, not concern yourself about the politics of the community. Knowledge is something which is precious, and I would like to see the alumni that have gone through the school as a sign of their, t of their gratitude and their feelings of loyalty to the school take a very active part. I'm glad that there's some kind of recognition of alumni, but they really have to get involved in keeping the school on its tracks without having a newfangled 
situation. I mean, Pringles is a wonderful potato chip, but it doesn't beat the old kettle potato chips of old. And I feel that's the way about almost everything we have in our society today, not to discard the old and to be careful to preserve and to watch over the precious, precious gifts that we have. Well, you may be officially retired, but you, the principle is still obviously in you, and you are still exhorting us um, to do more and to be great. So, Mr. Epstein, thank you so much for joining us on the VTT Lost and Found podcast. My thank you for joining us on the VTT Lost and Found podcast. Thank you for joining us on the VTT Lost and Found podcast. And now you know that those people who stood at the front of the class and taught us and laughed with us and yes, sometimes disciplined us, that they were all amazing people who taught us lessons that have stayed with us for our entire lives. So to them we say, Todaraba. Thank you very much.